The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in. I know that you have uh, a choice of where to get your sports news and information and entertainment from, and I do appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show every single weekday from 7 to 9. It's Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Also, uh, we do the podcast thing as well, as you can listen at your leisure, and you can find that everywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Amazon, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you download your podcast, you can find the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. Matt Moreno coming up in about 30 minutes here to talk recruiting, Wildcat football and basketball recruiting news and notes. So uh, looking forward to getting him on. Love talking with Matt. He's always so full of information. Uh, he is just a wealth of information. Love having him on. And uh, to talk recruiting, it's time to update some things as the Wildcats got a, uh, a new a new commitment and a new decommitment. So uh, we'll talk about the good and the bad in the world of recruiting. Major League Baseball, of course, tonight, the National League Division Series, Game 5, Dodgers and Giants at Oracle Park. First pitch is going to be at 6.07 p.m. And, look, you know, this is a situation, I mentioned it in you know the previous segment, where Major League Baseball may want to revisit the non-receding of teams uh, after the you know after the wild card round and things like that, because you had a situation this year where look the 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 championship series in both leagues as well as the World Series may lose some of its luster because what you have here in the Giants and Dodgers is you have okay you have inarguably the best West Coast rivalry in all of sports, the best West Coast rivalry in all of sports. Period. End of story. Dodgers-Giants is far and away the most intense. Not going to the East Coast, not ever ever experienced a Yankees-Red Sox series or anything like that. I cannot speak firsthand. I just know that there's a lot of vitriol between those two franchises as well, and that is a very, very heated rivalry that ranks right up there amongst the best, if not the best, in all of sports as well. The the Major League Baseball's you know inability to pit these two teams against one another in a championship series in a winner take all head to the World Series for a World Championship is going to possibly put a little bit of uh, of I, I don't you know I guess a, a a shade over the championship series and the World Series because I think once this series has settled I think a lot of people casual fans and such will stop paying attention to baseball because of the teams that are involved. So the winner of this series goes on to play the Braves, who won 88 games or whatever, 86 games or whatever it was this year. They weren't a dominant team. Um, okay, the Atlanta Braves are always kind of in there. It's nothing new. They're not super exciting. Their best player, Ronald Acuna, uh, is you know recovering from ACL surgery. He's not going to play, so they're, they're, list, they're, you know, they're missing that sizzle of that star power play, even though they have other stars on the team, not having Ronald Acuna, who is you know, obviously a big name, a young player, exciting player, um, you, you lose that. And the star power in these series is lacking 
You know, you've got the Houston Astros, who everyone outside of the city of Houston loves to hate and just cast their their booze at because they were caught cheating and banging on the garbage cans and stuff like that. So people outside of Houston don't want to watch the Houston Astros play except to watch them lose. Well, that's not going to bring in a lot of viewership. Okay, The Red Sox are, a you know of course, a very exciting team. They score a ton of runs. They've got some really good talent on that team. But the star power isn't necessarily there. I don't, you know, they, they don't have the big name guys that are featured on the MLB, you know, uh, the, the highlight packages and things like that that you see running on the national telecast and whatnot. It's just the Red Sox, you know, and they don't feature great pitching. Chris Sale has been terrible so far in this postseason. Um, so, you know, and, and again, there are plenty of people out there that want to see the Red Sox fail and want to cheer against them to lose. So it's, it's kind of like a situation where it's like, all right, well, we don't really care who comes out of the American League. There's no sizzle there anyways. They're both teams that can knock the cover off the ball. Um, and it's going to be an exciting high-scoring series, but I don't know what, what kind of fandom there is. So, really, it all comes down to this. The excitement of postseason baseball for 2021 season comes down to tonight's game at Oracle Park in San Francisco and it's going to be Julio Urias, who the Giants have not been able to beat or figure out against Logan Webb, whom the Dodgers have not been able to – nobody's been able to figure him out, especially at home. Giants are 13-0 when he starts at home. It's, it's you know, death taxes, Logan Webb at home. There you go. Um, so this is, this is where Major League Baseball has run into a little bit of a problem. And, the, you know, reseeding in the postseason, I know a lot of people are against it because it goes against the, the history of baseball, and baseball is very much an old-timers sport, right? It's, it's something that, you know, there's a lot of unwritten rules and there's a lot of historical references to the game. And trust me, I, I'm one of those people. I love the sanctity of baseball. I do not like the fact that the National League is inevitably going to adopt the designated hitter. I thought baseball was ruined in 1974 when the American League adopted the designated hitter. Uh, I don't like the designated hitter rule because I'm someone who embraces, understands, and enjoys watching the chess match of having to work around having a pitcher coming up uh, to the plate in a vital position in the game. You know, this it's a it's a one-run game. You're down 3-2. Your guy is dealing. Maybe he gave up an unearned run in the second inning or something like that. But overall, he's pitching extremely well. But it's the seventh inning, and he's due up second in the inning. And now you got to figure out, well, i got to take him out, even though his pitch count is low, and he's, you know, and i got to go to my bullpen, and my bullpen's tired now, and I'm not exactly sure about the matchups. There's a, there's a couple of bad matchups in there. You know, I mean, it, it just – it plays to the strategy of the game so much better. And, like, I could go on and on about the designated hitter rule, but I can go on until I'm blue in the face. It's not going to change anything. The National League will eventually adopt it because the players, look, pitchers don't want to go out there and hit unless your name's Madison Bumgarner. Pitchers don't want to go out there and hit. Pitchers want to sit in the dugout, keep their arm warm, make sure that they're saving their energy for the next inning where they go out and pitch. Uh, and then also it's great for players because – Guys who are, you know, basically hired guns, hired bats, can go out there and still make a contract, still make a living with the other teams now in the National League. So, look, I get it, okay? I I understand the benefits of it. I just don't like what happens during a nine-inning game that the designated hitter brings as opposed to what seeing the uh, the old National League rules bring. But 
regardless. I, it, I'm going to have to just put that one aside because it's inevitable, um, and I do understand the benefits. Again, player benefits, I get it. Uh, I just I'm going to miss it when it's gone. We'll put it that way. But Major League Baseball needs to focus on on making sure that their postseason product is still good and watchable and must-see TV. And tonight is must-see TV. I can't speak for what's going to happen beyond this. If the Giants win tonight, they move on, of course, into the NLCS, and Major League Baseball will lose the Los Angeles market. They'll also lose other markets that are full of Dodger fans. Okay, Phoenix market, Tucson market, Okay, plenty of Dodger fans here in the state of Arizona. I know because I'm around them all the time. It's sickening as I see those hats and T-shirts and stuff. Look, I used to, I used to do some PA announcing uh, out at Camelback Ranch where the Dodgers play their spring training games, and it was, <laughs> it was difficult. I got to be honest. I was, you know, I, I was fill-in guy basically. I was backup uh, to their their regular guy, and I always hoped that it would just be because they, they share the facility with the White Sox. So I was always hoping, I'm like, please let it be a White Sox game. Please let it be a White Sox game. And I'd look at the schedule, I'm like, nope, it's a Dodger game. Those stands, though, I tell you, even though the White Sox are a team from Chicago, another mega market, those games for Dod- the Dodgers could be playing the Reds that day. In the middle of the day, it's a hot day out there at Camelback Ranch. There'd still be 12,000 people in the stands. I got to meet Harrison Ford because he was sitting in the, in the owner's booth next to me, next to where I sit. Got to meet Harrison Ford. I got to meet Rihanna. <laughs> I mean, like there's celebrities at the games and stuff like that. Like it's it's crazy. And in the White Sox game, it could be a White Sox matchup against, you know, a, a, another great team. It could be White Sox-Giants, let's say. And there's like, you know, 6,500 people in the stands and nobody in the suites. And they're just kind of like just casually there like, oh, let's go to a baseball game today. Who's playing? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's a very different feel when the Dodgers are playing baseball. So if the Giants win tonight and the Dodgers are sent home, uh, Major League Baseball loses a large chunk of the television viewer markets, which is going to hurt them. So it would behoove Major League Baseball to make sure that the better teams are playing one another deeper in the postseason. Because if the Giants and the Dodgers, let's say the Giants and the Dodgers are playing in the, in the, in the division series right now, the Dodgers were playing the, um, you know, they, they, were, they were playing the Brewers and the Giants were playing the Braves. And then both those teams move on. You get to keep the Dodgers and the Giants markets, California, West Coast markets, and then you get to watch them for a seven-game series, which, look, that series would inevitably go seven games. They, you know, they split everything else down, down the middle this year. That game, or that series would have gone seven. And you would have had a Julio, Julio Rios versus Logan Webb game seven at Oracle Park instead of a game five, and this time for a chance to go to the World Series as opposed to goes going to the championship series. So I think that, that – Realignment, not realignment, reseeding in the postseason is something that Major League Baseball should absolutely look into because of the, the way the wild card is now set up. It's obvious to see that you could have the two best teams in the way they do. They have the two best teams in baseball playing one another. The third best team in baseball got knocked out by the Boston Red Sox in their division series. So it's, it's patently obvious that they need to reseed. And I think it's just better for everybody. It would be better for the fans, better for baseball, uh, just better for everybody all around. More money, more fans, more excitement, um, and all that is good for the sport. And something that I would just prefer to see, to be honest with you. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm much ha- as a Giants fan. I'm much happier that they're playing a five-game series because I think in a, you know a seven-game series, 
I believe that starting pitching and bullpens and things like that would end up leaning in the Dodgers' favor a little bit. But I think in a shorter series, I think the Giants do have the uh, have the advantage in the shorter series. So uh, I'm happy about it. But again, I would much rather be watching with the drama of going to a World Series. It's just much more exciting. So something to think about there. And obviously, you're welcome to share your opinions with me. You can follow me on Twitter at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter, share your, uh, your share your opinions with me on anything that you've heard here uh, during the show today, yesterday, the things you'll hear in the future, and anything that I happen to tweet out from time to time on my Twitter account. It's not the most exciting Twitter account, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the best follow in the world. I don't break you know exciting news or anything like that. I just offer some opinions and have a little fun on there and make sure that I'm not getting too deep into the Twitterverse, which can be very volatile and ugly uh, at times. The Phoenix Mercury last night, Mighty Mercury, even the series with the Chicago Sky by the win at 91-86 in overtime. Very exciting game last night. Brittany Griner opened the game, dunking on people, and then it goes to the third quarter, the uh, the fourth quarter. The Mercury were down seven, but then a three-point shot by the Sky was determined to be after the uh, after the the shot clock had expired. So they back it off. The score then goes back to 69-65. Then the Merc go on a run. Brittany Griner gets a three-point play, puts the Mercury ahead, and then the Sky come rare-roaring back. They score four in a row uh, with Courtney Vandersloot going in for a layup. It was a very exciting game, back and forth, back and forth. Brittany Griner continued to do her thing inside. She was awesome in the uh, in the first four quarters of that game last night, and then with a chance to uh, uh, with a chance to win the game at the end. Uh, the you know they, it resulted in a turnover. Things happen, and the game went to overtime. Uh, Candace Parker st- steals the ball from uh, 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 from Dana Tarazi, inbounding the ball to uh, Brittany Griner. Candace Parker steals the ball, and the game goes into overtime. That's when the goat took over, though. That's when Diana Tarazi said, "Uh-uh, we're not losing this game. We're in front of our home crowd. We're going to overtime. I'm taking this thing over." And in the five-minute overtime, she personally outscored the Chicago Sky by a score of 8-7. to seven, And the Mercury go on to win that game 91-86. to 86. Super, super exciting game. Diana Tarazi was fired up and just goes to show you, she went to prove once again that she is the greatest of all time. And she is. Don't Make no mistake about it. She's the greatest of all time. She's the all-time leading scorer. And if they're able to cash in another championship, she'll have another ring to display on her finger. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll start transitioning to some NFL, a look into tonight's Thursday night game between the Bucks and the Eagles, an update on Tom Brady's thumb and some of the other injuries and things like that that you can look for coming up next. This is the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Week 6 is here, and it features the hard-hitting Thursday night matchup between the Bucks and the Eagles. And FanDuel Sportsbook is about to make it even more exciting because FanDuel is going to give new customers 30-to-1 odds on either team to win. That means that you can place a $5 bet and win $150 by betting either team to win. <laughs> it's just that simple. Now, the defending champs, of course, the Buccaneers, got that big old target on their back. And they better be ready for a fight. And the Eagles have been bringing fight in every game that they've played this year. And, of course, anything can happen on Thursdays. We've talked about it, how much the players loathe uh, playing on on Thursdays. 
So interesting things tend to happen. So feel free to explore all of the wager markets for the game. You can go look at the money line, the over-under. You can do some individual yardage, individual score uh, props. Anything you want to do, you can build an SGP with some of those things as well. There's a lot of markets to look at in this particular game, so enjoy that. And, of course, offers like this are just one of the many reasons why it's so much fun, and I do love betting the NFL on FanDuel. It is America's number one rated sportsbook app because it's easy to use, it's safe and secure, and you get paid out quickly. And, of course, FanDuel is always at the forefront at making sure that they're hooking you up with cool offers and promotions and fun promos and stuff as well. Like the uh, there was the Cardinals spread the love promotion earlier in the season. Those are fun, you know, and, and all kinds of different props, and they'll send them to you time and time again so you can join in on the fun. Plus, when you win, of course, you get paid in as little as 24 hours. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Just sign up with the promo code DEAN. Okay, do it tonight before the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers head to Philadelphia. And you could win $150 on a $5 bet. But remember, you got to use the promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you. Of course, that is exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager in designated market. The max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Looking ahead to the game tonight, some of the matchups. I mentioned that the Buccaneers are first in the league in passing offense, 350 yards a game, which is absolutely insane for the NFL. Normal for college, insane for the NFL. Uh, the Eagles, uh, you know, conversely, they they respond with a. They're the third best passing defense in the league, so uh, they're only giving up 195 yards a game on the ground. However, they are near dead last in rushing, which is good for the 26th-ranked rushing attack of the Buccaneers. So you may look to see them kind of you know push the ball a little bit on the ground a little bit, especially with Tom's uh, right thumb, which has been ailing him. Now, he is going to play tonight. Uh, the injury isn't viewed as something minor, but it is worth noting that he is going to play, and it is a, something that's going to continue to get treatment and going to continue to linger until it heals. Now, obviously, Tom has played through injuries before. He had the torn MCL, we found out. He's playing with the torn MCL all last year. Um, he had a laceration on his right hand, a 12-inch laceration on his hand during Super Bowl 52. And then, of course, throughout his career, uh, an assortment of injuries, you know, shoulders, ribs, uh, ankles, things like that. So Tom's going to play through it. But it is uh, worth noting that it is a bad thumb. So they may be looking to hand the ball off a little bit in this game, a little bit more, put the uh, put the games in the hands of their tailbacks, which you know would play into you know what they you know what Philadelphia kind of wants to stay away from. Their their run defense has not been very good. Their pass defense has been excellent though, um, and their actually their overall defense has been pretty good too, about 350 yards a game. So could be a fun matchup tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, some of the other injuries of note in the game, of course, for the Buccaneers, Rob Gronkowski is still out with the, uh, the the cracked ribs, several cracked ribs. He's going to be out for a little more time. We expect him to return probably in the next couple, three weeks, uh, hopefully. Get to, see him, get to see him back out there on the field. I don't think there's any rush for them right now. They're in uh, firm control of that uh, that division. And uh, obviously a playoff caliber team is, you know, you got Tom Brady putting up the numbers that he is, which are absolutely ridiculous right now. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, who they just got back last week, is now questionable with a shoulder injury. And I mentioned earlier that Levante David is now out with an ankle injury. Uh, he is going to be probably on the shelf for a little while. Lane Johnson, starting offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be out for personal reasons. 
Uh, and then uh, defensive end Brandon Graham is out as well. He is still out. He, uh, he ruptured his Achilles or, or strained his Achilles, I guess, in the, in the opener, uh, the opening game for uh, Philadelphia. So he is still out, obviously, as uh, things, you know, not good there anytime you're talking about uh, the, uh, uh, the Achilles for Brandon Graham. But uh, for the most part, Philadelphia is pretty healthy. Uh, Tampa Bay is pretty banged up, but uh, Philly's pretty healthy. Could be an interesting game tonight. Certainly worth watching, of course, alongside watching that uh, Dodgers and Giants game that's going to be game five of the, uh, the NLDS. So something certainly to watch for there. Um, also all around the league, Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who was suffering from fractured ribs, returned to practice yesterday and is hopeful to play against the Jaguars on Sunday. Um, looks like he had a good throwing session uh, earlier in the week and could be worth noting that he could play uh, and start against the Jags this Sunday. Um, other than that, uh, not a whole lot of news, really, other than you know, kind of some of the things that are going to be coming out of Cardinal camp, and we'll talk about the Cardinals tomorrow and some of the outlook, uh, the, you know, whether the two corners, the tar- starting corners, Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, are going to be playing or not uh, this Sunday against the Browns. Are certainly going to need them. Um, they may not have needed them as much against the 49ers starting Trey Lance, the rookie quarterback, for his first start ever, but. Against Baker Mayfield and that high-powered offense, they're going to want those guys. They're going to want all their guys uh, for that game. Otherwise, be ready for a, an absolute shootout. And uh, maybe the Cardinals want to dupe them into a shootout, have a little fun. That could be that game could be very explosive on Sunday. That could be like a pinball machine, lots and lots of points scored. Or it could be a situation where you know both defenses just kind of show up and and uh, end up limiting the other team. So we'll see. Plenty of great games on the uh, on the the uh, the docket for Sunday. And uh, and Monday, of course, as well as uh, as Thursday night, and we'll have all of that for you starting tomorrow. We'll break down all the NFL games. We'll also do a lot of college talk tomorrow. Of course, Wildcats and Buffaloes, they're in uh, Boulder. That game kicks off at twelve thirty on Saturday, and I'll have my Friday five, all my picks in the uh, the biggest five college football games of the weekend as well. All right, stay tuned because coming up next. Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats going to be talking some Wildcat recruiting. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And joining me right now is our expert when it comes to the world of recruiting around Wildcat football and basketball. He is Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Matt, good morning. How are you today, sir? Good morning. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, it's been a busy, uh, it's been a busy few, several weeks since we last talked here on the show, and there's been a lot of movement in uh, in the world of Wildcat football, they get a decommitment, they get a new commitment. But let's start with the uh, the new commitment from the uh, the linebacker from Servite. Anaheim Servite has been a nice target for Jed Fish and his staff early on. Of course, with Noah Fafita and Trey and Burnett, uh, Key and Burnett uh, in that uh, you know in the, the the commitment portal of the recruiting process. Now they just got a new guy, but on the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about him. Yeah, Jacob Manu is a linebacker from Servite High School. Uh, one of these prospects that, you know, when, when COVID happened and, and everyone kind of lost the year, it really impacted someone like Jacob Manu because he missed out on the important time of being a junior and being able to be evaluated during that time. And so 
Obviously, coaches weren't able to, to go out and watch him. They weren't able to evaluate him. He wasn't able to go out to camps or any of that stuff because, you know, it wasn't allowed. And so I had heard a prospect like him. So you don't have those same offers that you would have had. He's a bit undersized. Uh, so he's someone that coaches did need to see in person, I think, and have a better feel for. And there were some big schools that were involved, some Power 5 programs that were at least interested. But uh, Arizona uh, obviously knew about him from recruiting, you know, some of his teammates and, and some of the other prospects on that team. Uh, Jeff Fish was able to get out and see Servite during the bye week, had a chance to see Jacob in person, offered him a few days later, and a week later he's committed to Arizona. So that relationship has been building for a little bit. Um, they had been evaluating him, had been looking at him, but kind of needed Jed Fish to sign off on, you know, offering him. And you know, once that happened, things moved quickly. But uh, he's someone who I really like. I think he fits in well with what uh, Don Brown is looking for at the linebacker position. He has some versatility. Uh, he has really good speed, can play sideline to sideline. And he's someone I could see fit into that defense very, very well. And so I think most, most importantly is that he wants to be at Arizona. He obviously has a couple of his teammates headed to Tucson, like you mentioned. And so, um, I think that's a big key, when, especially coming on the same day. His commitment came on the same day that they, they lost another commitment. So you want to have that buy-in, and you want to have someone who wants to be you know, part of the program. And I think uh, Jacob Manu kind of checks off a lot of those boxes. doesn't have the size that maybe every team is looking for, but I think he has everything else, checks off every other box. Matt, for, for those people that are listening that may not understand the process or may not be familiar with it, you know, when, when he committed to Arizona, he essentially earned his stars, right? We, that's when he got the, the star rating, a three-star rating or a four-star rating or a five-star rating, whatever have you. What is, what is the normal process for a player earning their stars, essentially? Because a lot of times it happens once they commit somewhere, and I think there's sometimes there's some bias. I remember back in the day, like when a player would commit to USC, all of a sudden he was a four-star recruiter, a five-star recruit when maybe people were looking at him as maybe more of a closer to a three-star. How does that process work? And, and why do we have to wait for them to get a commitment before they get a star rating? It all just depends. I mean, it all really depends on kind of how they're evaluated. I think a lot of the star rankings come when you get in-person evaluations and it just kind of happened to work out that way with Jacob Manu. Uh, the, the people at Rivals, it's not in my hands. I don't have a say in, in star rankings or ratings or anything like that. Uh, the Rivals national team handles all that and handles those decisions. And uh, because they had played in a big game a few days prior to his commitment, uh, he was able to be seen in person for uh, finally at this point because, like I mentioned, uh, he is a bit underrated, uh, under-evaluated, uh, uh, didn't get to have the same opportunities to go to the camps and different things this spring and summer. Uh, to be seen as much as some of his peers. So um, he, when he finally had a chance to be evaluated in person, uh, his ranking was coming. So it just kind of worked out. He was going to be ranked uh, this week anyways uh, from the sounds of it, uh, whether he committed to Arizona or not. It just kind of happened to work out that way that he committed to Arizona and then his ranking came out. But um, it, it's all about in-person evaluation in a lot of these cases. Uh, sometimes that's not possible. There's just not a big enough staff to evaluate every prospect in person. Um, but, you know, camps provide that. Uh, big all-star games provide that. And so uh, he just happened to be seen, uh, you know, right at the right time to get his ranking. That's kind of how it worked out. Now, Matt, you retweeted something yesterday from the NCAA transfer portal uh, talking about an offensive lineman, a former four-star recruit from Arizona, from uh, from Williamsfield High School up in the up in the valley there, up in the, the Gilbert area. Where where does he fit in? Tell us about Noah Nelson. He's the he's a four star offensive lineman. Talk about him and, and why you think that he may be a fit at Arizona. Well, there are a few reasons. For one, he's the legacy. His dad played at Arizona. Byron played at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Eventually played in the NFL, so he has kind of that pedigree and that connection to the program. Um, and 
he's a four-star offensive lineman. I mean, Arizona, uh, that's, if there's one position that Arizona is going to really target in the transfer portal this offseason, it is the offensive line. They need players that can come in and play right away. Um, they have you know, started to really look at that, uh, that position in terms of high school recruits, but those guys are going to take some time. I think we've seen that you know, with some players that are on the roster right now. There, there's some talent on the roster, but just not quite ready to play and not re- quite ready to step in. Uh, Noah Nelson has played in a game at Oklahoma, didn't play this season. He actually, uh, from my understanding, left the program in July, uh, has not been you know, at Oklahoma since the summer. Um, uh, from the sounds of it, it was a medical type of issue that kind of took him away from Oklahoma. Um, but then, so I think it was a little bit of a surprise to see him go into the transfer portal uh, yesterday and, and say, hey, maybe he's still going to you know, try and give this a go and try and play. Um, it's not going to be at Oklahoma from the sounds of it, and so it's going to open up the door for a program like Arizona. Sounds like the Wildcats are going to be very, very much involved. Again, fits really what Arizona is looking for in terms of being an in-state guy. Um, that's something that Jed Fish has really prioritized when you look at you know, a number of the transfers that you know, the program brought in over this last offseason. A lot of them had ties back to Arizona and you know, played their high school football in Arizona, have those ties back to you know, uh, the state. And so uh, I think he fits in that regard. He has a great size. He's about six foot seven. great athleticism. Uh, I watched him in high school. He came down, uh, Williamsville came down and played Marana. Uh, so he had a chance to go up against Jordan Morgan when Jordan Morgan was at Miranda High School. Oh yeah! Uh, so I went and watched them play, and um, he's very good. I, I left that that game going. He's someone that Arizona needs to have on its roster. Uh, he obviously, from that time, he was a junior at that point, uh, really blew up and, and had a chance to go to a lot of different programs across the country. Picked Oklahoma, um, but it, it felt like Arizona that was the type of guy they needed, and so they're going to get a you know a second chance at, at landing him. Uh, it was the previous staff that had recruited him, so. This new staff's going to get their chance to pull him in and see what they can do. I think he's going to have uh, some quality options to pick from, but I think those connections with you know being a legacy player, being from Arizona, um, getting a second chance, seeing kind of what uh, you know Jed Fish has prioritized with in-state guys, I think that's all going to lead to Arizona being in the mix for, for quite a while, and we'll see if they can eventually pull it off and you know land a, a top offensive lineman. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know we've seen it plenty of times. It's a lot of times a player's second opportunity to be a Wildcat that brings him back here as opposed to the first opportunity. So looking forward to that. Hopefully they can, uh, they can get him in here. He's, uh, he sounds like a good player. And, of course, legacy players are always good to bring in. Now, Matt, let's talk about a decommitment. Uh, we're talking about Zeke Berry, very, very talented secondary player uh, on the defensive side of the ball, obviously. What what caused his decommitment? I know that uh, you know just because Arizona offers him and he makes a commitment doesn't you know put him you know hold him to the fire. He's not signed anything, and that's why we take these verbal commitments uh, with a grain of salt. But why was uh, why was Zeke Berry so quick to decommit? Um, I don't know that he was fully in to begin with. Um, he got offered by Michigan shortly after he committed, and quickly those conversations started. He was not only open to listening to their staff, but actively trying to you know, plan a visit and get out there. And that was about a week or two after he committed to Arizona. So um, it, it felt like he was kind of always one foot in, one foot out um, at, at, with Arizona and his commitment. And then uh, he eventually made an unofficial visit to Cal, which is you know up close to him in the Bay Area in California, um, which is never a great sign. And then he recently visited Oregon. And that's kind of what it feels like prompted the decision to back off his commitment to Arizona. But um, I think there's this misconception that because of Arizona losing to NAU or losing to UCLA, you know, that's, that's what led directly to his decommitment. I think, I think it's hard to ignore that. I don't think that was uh, something that didn't go unnoticed, but I don't think it was a huge part of what led to his decision. It feels like this one has kind of been building for a little bit now. 
Um, like I said, when he originally committed, it was kind of one of those ones where I don't know that he's fully committed at this point. He was talking to other programs, uh, you know, actively having conversations with other coaches. And so uh, that kind of tends to lead to eventually a decommitment. Um, so uh, I don't know that there's anything more Arizona could have done in this situation uh, other than winning football games. I think that would have helped. But I, I think it was just one of those situations where uh, he liked the fit at Arizona, liked what, uh, you know, the coaches had planned for him, but was always looking at other options. And it just kind of worked out that, you know, he, he decided to, to leave the program. I don't think he's someone that's going to be revisited. Uh, it feels like the door has been closed. Maybe, you know, towards the end of the cycle, if he doesn't make a decision towards the end, maybe something that, you know, Arizona can reconnect with him and, and he can reconnect with them. But it just feels like it's kind of, at this point, Arizona's moved on. Really, hours later, it feels like Arizona moved on with Jacob Manu because Zeke Barry, although he plays in the secondary uh, at De La Salle and, and does some things offensively, it sounds like the plan was eventually to play him you know, at the Viper position because yep. of his versatility. Um, and, and so Jacob Manu, I, I think he's somebody, at least watching him on film, seeing him in person a couple times, feels like he has uh, the skill set to potentially fit into that position as well. So um, it feels like it was eventually kind of a, a straight swap for Arizona. Uh, in terms of the position and the, and the, the spot in the class. So, um, Zeke Barry is a loss. I don't think there's any way to get around that. Um, you can't really spin that any other way. It's, it's a loss. He's a very talented player and someone who's going to be, a, I think, a big part of this program. But um, for Arizona, it's always about who you can replace that player with. And I think Arizona did a good job on Sunday replacing him with someone who's very capable of, of doing similar things. We're joined by senior editor of Go AZ Cats, Matt Moreno, right now on the Jeff Dean Show, and it's almost like you're, you're reading my notes here of things that I wanted to talk about with you because one of the things I did want to talk about, because you talk to the players, you talk to coaches, you talk to you know high school coaches, you talk to the recruiters, the guys who are recruiting these people, how important are wins and losses to these players? It matters, and, and I, I think the, the, it, it's difficult. I think, I think wins matter more than losses True. to recruits. It's, it's very different than being a fan. Um, it's a different perspective, and I think it's always hard for fans to separate those two, to view it from a recruit's point of view as, as opposed to their own point of view. Um, losses do matter, and, and losses piling up matter. And so that's where I think Arizona needs to get a win at some point here just to kind of alleviate some of that. Um, I think a big win would negate a lot of the losses. Let's say you beat a team like ASU at the end of the season. I think in the recruits' mind, they'll remember that last win more than they'll remember the other losses. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an important part of it. Um, it doesn't matter as much as, as fans think it does. Um, I think where for Arizona, uh, the issue is going to be, you know, you start to hear, if the losses start to pile up and continue to pile up like they have, you start to hear about that if you're a recruit at your school. That you kind of get that feeling of, hey, you're going to that school that lost X amount of games, and, and you know, they start to hear about it from their friends, maybe their, their teammates that are going to other programs. And so uh, you want to avoid that. So Arizona does need to get a win at some point to kind of alleviate some of that. But, um, I don't think it matters as much. The relationships really matter most uh, for Arizona right now. The NFL connections really matter a lot and have really swayed a lot of people. In the case of someone like Jacob Manu, the system is, is something that he really wants to be a part of. He mentioned when I spoke to him this week after his commitment that he really wants to play for Don Brown and really feel, feels like he's a nice fit for the system. And so um, those things are, are going to far outweigh um, the, the wins and losses. Um, but it is something that you have to keep in mind, and it is something that recruits will pay attention to you know, as part of their decision-making process. It's not the most important thing that's going to sway them one way or the other, but uh, it definitely is a part of it. Matt, let's uh, switch gears a little bit here to basketball. The Red-Blue game was uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, 
Arizona on display for the first time under Tommy Lloyd. Uh, a very different looking type of flow to the game, you know, what Tommy Lloyd is looking for. There were a lot of recruits at that particular uh, showcase there. Who are we looking at in that particular list of, uh, of players that are solid and are difference makers in this program? Yeah, I mean, well, you have to look at Dylan Anderson is obviously kind of the, the main part of the class, the only part of the class at this point. Um, Arizona, it's been an interesting kind of shift uh, in terms of the recruiting mentality. Tommy Lloyd has not been quick to offer a ton of recruits. Uh, they really have focused in on just a couple guys and have zeroed in on a couple guys. Uh, Colin Chandler out of Utah is really kind of the only remaining target in the 2022 class that's really publicly known. Uh, maybe eventually they get into some international recruiting, but at this point, it's been very, very limited, and um, obviously you don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA stuff and if there's going to be any uh, recruiting sanctions in, in terms of just loss of scholarships and things like that. So I think you do have to be a little bit careful um, with getting too kind of widespread with the recruiting. So we'll see, you know, once all of this passes, what the mentality is from Tommy Lloyd. But it's very different than Sean Miller, who was very much about offering a, a number of recruits, several recruits, very early on in the process, where Tommy Lloyd and his staff are a little bit more patient and are waiting things out a little bit. So it's been a different... Uh, process, um, but the 2023 class, I think, is really where this coaching staff is zeroing in on it. Really saying they want to, you know, make their mark in that class. Kevin Boswell is the is the name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at the Red Blue game, a five star prospect uh, from Illinois originally, left to go to California, won a state title in California last year. Now is playing at AZ Compass Prep out in Chandler, um, so he's a little bit closer. Probably going to make a ton of visits down to Arizona, uh, down to Tucson uh, throughout the season. Has already talked about wanting to make some more visits um, outside of the red-blue game. Someone who's very, very talented, a, a, a point guard who can play off the ball, can play on the ball, um, can do a lot of different things, a top-ten prospect, and someone that I think Arizona truly, truly wants you know, as part of its roster. And so he's going to be someone to watch. It feels like there's been a lot of interest reciprocated from both sides. And so um, he's got a ton of offers, has Kansas, UCLA, uh, his home state, Illinois, has offered him. And so uh, he's got a lot of the big offers already in hand. You know, Kentucky's involved and Zaga's involved. So um, he's someone to continue to watch, and I think I'd really keep an eye on him as things move through the process. But for 2022, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they build on this class, which just has Dylan Anderson, an in-state prospect from, from Gilbert, um, uh, right now. I think they do build on it eventually, but it'll be interesting to see who that exactly is because uh, some of their high school options have been exhausted at this point, and they're kind of just waiting to see what else happens. And not to mention, there's always the great unknown for us, which is the Euro market as well. So, you know, Tommy Lloyd, obviously very good at that. Jack Murphy also uh, very good at the at the Euro market as well. So, there's no telling what could come from there either. Uh, no, absolutely. I think I think the international uh, recruiting scene is going to be something that Arizona is is very uh, aware of and continues to explore. I know Tommy Lloyd has said it's kind of alluded to that maybe he doesn't necessarily want to just stick to that. Um, which is natural. You want to eventually, you know, build it with high school prospects from across the U.S. But I think it's always going to be a factor for Arizona. As long as Tommy Lloyd is the head coach, as long as Jack Murphy's on the staff, I think you're going to have that connection overseas. And I think it's going to be at least a part of what they do in any class. Well, Matt, uh, we brought you on for a reason, man, and uh, you knocked it out of the park. We appreciate your time and your expertise. If you want to follow Matt, you can follow him at Matt Go AZ Cats. He's a must-follow if you're a Wildcat fan for all the recruiting information that you need for Wildcat football and Wildcat basketball. Matt, we thank you for your time, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right. Matt Moreno right there, breaking it down as he always does. So Jacob Manu, linebacker from Servite, 
and potentially a, an offensive lineman transfer from Oklahoma, a legacy in, uh, in uh, Noah Byron. So, um, or Noah Nelson, sorry, Noah Byron's his dad. Uh, Noah Nelson possibly transferring in a big athletic kid um, that plays offensive tackle. So, good things looking ahead for uh, for Arizona football and uh, Arizona basketball, of course, with a few guys that they got on the on the hook there, potentially coming in for the 2022 class. The NFL Week 6 is here, and FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're going to give everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay with three legs or more, and if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel is going to pay you back that 10 bucks. This Sunday, of course, the matchup of the two extremely talented teams as the Cardinals head east to Cleveland to take on the Browns. I think you're going to see a game full of negative plays as well as, as explosive plays. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build my SGP with the Cardinals' money line, Nick Chubb over rushing yards, and the under total points in the first quarter. I think it might take a while for these two teams to work up a lather and get things going. But when they do, look out. Now, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It features fast payouts, an easy-to-use app, and, of course, the transactions are all safe and secure. And, folks, i got to be honest with you, nailing one of those SGPs just feels like one of the greatest things ever. You, you feel like you're on top of the world, and cashing in that ticket feels oh so good. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook and get up to 10 bucks back if your bet doesn't win. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, that's great, too, because you can sign up today with the promo code DEAN to receive a risk-free bet up to $1,000. But you got to use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you, okay? So make sure you type in that promo code. Get that risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's pretty awesome as well. 21 and over in President Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay is available for multiple sports in all states and mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. When we return, we're going to put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Making strides against breast cancer walk is going to look a little bit different this year. Instead of a walk, we're going to go for a cruise in our vehicles. The Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Caravan is scheduled for Sunday morning, October 24th at 8 a.m. Of course, this event is to raise awareness and funds to save lives from breast cancer. To get more information on how to be part of this event or just to make a donation, go to ESPNTucson.com and do what you can to fight breast cancer. Now, before we get out of here, I want to I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this. Now, last night in NBA preseason action, as the preseason is getting ready to come to a close, uh, the Phoenix Suns, I had noticed uh, before the Mercury game, had blown out the Portland Trailblazers by 45. I was like, wow, that game wasn't close at all. And Devin Booker, of course, had a great first half, scored 17 points in the first half, looking, uh, looking really good in his return to the hard court. So happy to see that. And then I woke up this morning and was looking at scores, and I'm like, wait a second, what? The Dallas Mavericks beat the Charlotte Hornets last night by 68 points. 68. That's almost 70. The Charlotte Hornets, what did he score, 57 points in the game or 59 points, something like that? Something ridiculous. Regardless, it was an absolute blowout. The most interesting part of that, though, was a wager that was placed on FanDuel Sportsbook. It was a two-leg parlay. Okay, 
The two legs were the Phoenix Suns plus 31, a winning margin of 31 or more points, and the Dallas Mavericks with a win margin of 31 or more. It was a parlay. Both teams had to win by 31 or more points to cash in the ticket. They both did. The wager was placed at 95 cents, and at a plus 132,500, that dude or lady was able to cash in a ticket for $1,260 on a 95-cent bet. Holy smokes. Two-leg parlay, the Suns' 31 or more point win and the Mavericks' 31 or more point win. Wow, that's quite a return on investment. 95 cents turned into 1260 bucks. Nicely done. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to our guest, Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats. You can follow him at Matt Go AZ Cats for all the recruiting news. Thanks to uh, Gerardo Monteverde. He was the winner of our tickets to FC Tucson today. And of course, thanks to Mary back in the studio. We'll see you guys again tomorrow at 7 a.m. for a football Friday of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.